Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today, we're talking about story doers, leaders and organization with clarity, defined higher purposes. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders in navigating the disruption by transforming themselves and their organizations to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted today that on our show, we have Ty Montague. Ty is the co-founder and CEO of Co-Collective, a creative and strategic transformation partner for purpose-led businesses. Co works with leadership teams to define their higher purpose and to bring that purpose to life through innovation in the customer experience process. They call this process story doing. Ty published a book about story doing in 2013 called True Story. And since that time, the Co team has been fortunate to work with some of the most inspiring and progressive organizations and leaders, including Google, YouTube, LinkedIn, IBM, MetLife, Microsoft the ACLU, Infinity, Capital One, and my favorite, Under Armour. He previously served as co-president and CCO of J. Walter Thompson and CCO, Chief Creative Officer of Wyden and Kennedy. So today's most successful companies and leaders are story doers, not storytellers. These leaders have clearly defined a higher purpose that frames their ultimate ambition and desired contribution to the world and they orient every action they take in service of achieving that goal. Today, Ty joins the show to discuss what makes someone a story doer, why story doers are better leaders, and the tools they can use to become story doers. So Ty, what would you like to tell us about yourself before we jump in? Well, first, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me, Maureen. And um, I guess, you know, what I would say is on my journey, I've become very passionate around the topic of the positive role that corporations can play in the world, in culture and in society beyond producing profit, you know, really changing their role from looking after the interests of exclusively shareholders to beginning to look after the role of a much broader set of stakeholders, you know, people in the community, the environment, and helping to take on and solve some of the giant social and environmental issues that we face in the world today. Let's talk about then what is story doing and how does that connect? Well, in order to answer that question, I'd like to ask your indulgence. I'd like to tell a story, a little bit of a story about myself and how I came to start Co-Collective. As you pointed out, I began my career at J. Walter in advertising, working for big companies like J. Walter Thompson and Wyden and Kennedy. And in the advertising business, I was a storyteller for businesses. And what I mean by that is I would help companies craft a narrative and then generally tell it using paid media, 30 and 60 second television commercials. And it's a fun business, but along the way, I started to notice that it was possible for a company to ask me to tell one story while they were actually doing quite another story. In other words, their actions and their words were not aligning. And at the same time, I remember noticing a a different kind of a company, one that had a story that it was obviously pursuing in the world, 
but rather than using advertising to convey that story, they seemed to be creating what I would call delight or, or kind of shock and awe in their customer experience and really allowing their customers to feel uh, what the company was trying to do in the world. The first company that I remember noticing, this was when I was in the ad business, is Starbucks. And I'm sure we all had this the same experience where you wake up one morning and all of a sudden there's a Starbucks on like every street corner in the United States. And I remember noticing at the time there was no Starbucks advertising anywhere because I was in the advertising business. And that made me scratch my head. Like, how do you create a business that is that big and that successful without using advertising? Other big successful chains like McDonald's were everywhere also, but their advertising was everywhere. I got curious about that and I wanted to understand how Starbucks did what they do because all other things being equal, the Starbucks way of building a business had to be better. And so I began doing research and and really uncovering these companies, companies that have a higher purpose that they're pursuing in the world and express that purpose through action, through by creating innovation in the customer experience of one kind or another. And I came to call these companies story doing companies. And I decided to leave the advertising business to jump out and pursue helping what I believe is the, you know, the transition of our time moving from traditional storytelling businesses to story doing businesses. And that's what we do at Co-Collective. It's really exciting to hear the focus on businesses who operate with purpose. And I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. I think there are probably some listeners who say that's nice for you, but I need to make sure I make money. We have stakeholders and stockholders and whomever else. And this idea of purpose may not pay the same way traditional businesses do. Right. So, it's, it sounds fluffy. Sounds fluffy. Right. Yes. And I'll remind you that the first time I noticed a story doing business, it was because it was so large and successful. And what we have done at Co over the last 10 years that we've been in business is we decided to see, you know, our instinct was that these companies were actually better businesses, that they were more efficient businesses. But we wanted to test that theory. And so we've done done a piece of research and we've repeated that research now uh, three times, starting with data back beginning in 2007 with 49 different uh, publicly traded companies in seven different commercial categories. The results have come back the same way each time story doing businesses are growing faster. Their share price has grown faster since uh, 2007. Their customers and their employees are more loyal. So they have less turnover in both employee base and, and and their customer base, which probably explains why their customers are more than twice as likely to recommend them to a friend. And Uh, story doing uh, companies get about twice as many mentions in social media. So people that people find these companies exciting and want to talk about them. And that's probably why they're able to achieve these growth results without spending on average a third of what a traditional storytelling business spends on marketing. In other words, when you create an innovative customer experience, people are so excited about it and want to tell all their friends about it that you don't have to spend as much money on advertising. So you're actually a more efficient business if you begin to operate in this way. So the other thing I notice as you talk about that 
is if you're talking 2007 to 2020, you've been through a major recession and it sounds like the data's proved true even post-recession that that companies who are purpose-driven and story-doing are performing well across different economic conditions. That's correct. And, you know, our, our theory about that is that, you know, because customers have, when you are a purpose-led business, let me, let me get into some of the characteristics of a story-doing company. So a story-doing company, the, the primary characteristic of a story-doing company is they're on what we call a quest. They're pursuing some kind of higher purpose, some kind of positive change in the world that they want their customers and employees to help them achieve. So they're, they're really on a mission. And so because customers don't just buy the product, but they buy into the quest, they want to help the company achieve what it's trying to achieve. They have a different relationship with that company. And so when that company makes a misstep or goes through hard economic times, employees and customers stand by that company more tightly and more closely and more loyally than typical customers would. And so it's like by pursuing a higher purpose, you're you're putting coins in a piggy bank that you can kind of in the relationship piggy bank they you can draw down on in times in bad times. And so they're more resilient businesses as a result. As we come through COVID, certainly the idea of business resiliency is front and center for most of us that stuff does go wrong in the course of, of running an organization whether it is a pandemic or uh, some public issue from food being tainted to packaging to supply chain issues. Exactly. The pandemic is a great example, but there are, there are lots that are much smaller than that. Chipotle is a, is a story doing business and they had a an E. coli problem um, that was that was you know really bad. Uh, they made some people sick and uh, they got punished for that. It was a very tough experience, obviously, for the customers who were served food that was tainted. But it really affected Chipotle's business, their share price. But they have bounced back, and and mm-hmm. people are now you know continuing to be super loyal and. You know, that's because they they tend to, story doers tend to be more transparent businesses. They tell mm-hmm. it like it is. And if something's going wrong, they will let you know that that uh, either they have done something wrong or or something bad has happened to them. And uh, as a result, people trust them more and will stand by them in, in tough times. So on that note, maybe it's my lens of leadership, but it's hard to escape that one doesn't become a story doing company without leadership. So without leadership focused in this space and functioning in a certain way. So what are the most important shifts impacting how to be a great leader today and specifically in the story doing space? Well, I think being a story doer fundamentally is about authenticity. And that's important because it builds trust whether it's a company that you're talking about or an individual leader. And the way you build trust is by having the lowest possible delta between your words and your deeds. If you do what you say you are going to do, people will come to trust you. And so often you'll find that at the, at the center of, of a story doing business is a passionate founder 
who has a, a belief in some kind of higher purpose and something that they are really trying to get done in the world. Um, some of these companies, you know, you'll be familiar with many of them, Patagonia and Method Cleaning Products and Chipotle and JetBlue and Tesla. These are all companies that are pursuing in their own way, a higher purpose. And if you dig beneath the surface, there's a passionate founder in there that is is kind of the fount of that belief system. And it's it's almost impossible in some cases to separate the values of the company from the values of the leader. And I think in fact, the, the, the real test for story doing leadership is the second generation of leadership or the third generation of leadership is like making sure that you've done the work of codifying the values and the quest that are kind of resident within the founder and then making sure that those transfer to the next generation of leadership so that there isn't a, a, a misstep or a, people don't get distracted As you say that, I think of Tesla, you mentioned, and second generation not being family, but being the professional paid leadership team, not that family leaders aren't paid, but it's not second generation within a family, but the leaders that are now in a publicly traded company. Yeah, that's right. Maybe a a slightly different topic, but the role of of publicly traded companies, I think, is changing in the world. And that requires a change at the level of leadership. You know, back to your point that a lot of leaders think of this concept of being purpose-led as as being fluffy and kind of unbusiness-like because it's not all about maximizing profitability. I think that moving forward, companies that have not defined a higher purpose are going to suffer as businesses because young people are going to vote with their wallets and young people at very high levels want to do business with companies that are trying to make positive change in the world. And so if you're trying to have, if you're trying to sell a young person a product today, or if you want to compete in the marketplace of talent for the very best employees Mm -hmm. as a leader, understanding the purpose that you want to pursue, both as a leader and as a business, and then making that manifest both inside and outside the company gives you a competitive advantage in, in today's marketplace, I believe. And outside of the pandemic and right now higher unemployment, the competition for talent will continue to be high. Of course. I mean, even even more so, I, I think, during the pandemic, because most people are literally and and also metaphorically kind of hunkered down mm-hmm. um, and not seeking a lot of change. It's really only the best employees that are getting approached and poached mm-hmm. during this during this time and so th- these are the times when when companies really in general are not hiring there but they will cherry pick and try to steal their the best talent from other businesses and so making sure that your employees feel a connection to the purpose that you are pursuing as a leader and as a business is in a way insulates you from that. The more passionately they feel your authenticity around the quest that you're pursuing, the better armed you are to hang on to them when somebody comes knocking on the door and wants to make them an offer. Ty, you were going to give a couple of examples about people who are both exceptional and those who are not and what we're seeing. 
We're just living in an era of increased transparency and accountability that has only been accelerated by the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement. So you see leaders really being called to account for any inauthenticity. The editor of Bon Appetit had to step down after, you know, a photo of of him in brownface appeared as well as it began to well up from the culture that uh, there was a, a, a kind of a, a racist kind of vein in, in the Bon Appetit culture. Uh, the co-founder and editor of Refinery29 had to step down after many Black women and other women of color shared stories about discrimination and microaggression within the, the culture there. CrossFit CEO had to resign after making racist statements. People are looking for for people and and companies that they want to follow because they are are they mean what they say and that they are authentic and any whiff of inauthenticity in this day and age will cost you facebook is doing a terrible job of delivering on their purpose they they claim their purpose is to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together now they're being boycotted because they are also obviously a platform for hate speech and the Black Lives Matter movement will not stand for it as they shouldn't. And um, Facebook is being called to account. It remains to be seen. That one is, you know, obviously Mark Zuckerberg hasn't stepped down. He seems to be trying to resist taking accountability. I don't think that's going to go well for him long term. You know, it's interesting. We talked about purpose and what I hear you saying here is also transparency in behavior related to bigger social justice related issues. And I know you and I talked about this as we were prepping Mm. that leaders whose values, even if they have an important purpose, if their behavior and values are misaligned one, you can't hide it too long. It does surface. And over time, there will be consequences. That's exactly right. And you've described the essence of the work that we do at Co-Collective, helping leaders and leadership teams define that higher purpose and then make sure that the behavior of the organization, both internally and externally, aligns with that purpose so that you crush that delta between word and deed down to its absolute, absolute minimum. So that gets then to, um, if we know what the purpose is, then you have also changed the definition of what a great leader is. And how does that relate to leading as a story doer? Well, I think, you know, I touched on this right at the opening. You know, I, I think that we're in, a, in an era where the role of the corporation is being questioned. You know, Milton Freeman, a very, was very influential economist in the 1970s, really declared that the purpose of an organization is to maximize profit, period, end of story. And anybody doing anything but that is not a good business person. Today, it's obvious that following that doctrine has led us to a place where, you know, the environment is in crisis. This idea of endless growth is really just not a viable idea. And we are taxing our culture and our planet by pursuing it. And so we've seen this big change. Ten years ago, when we when we would talk with companies about purpose, we got a lot of funny looks. But today it's become very clear that the best businesses are purpose-led. So you see things like Larry Fink of BlackRock writing his in his CEO letter that 
BlackRock will not invest in a company today unless they can articulate their social or environmental purpose. You see the business roundtable, the CEOs of 200 of the biggest corporations in the world coming out and saying the role of a company has to be broadened beyond that of a profit machine if we are going to create a sustainable form of capitalism. So the writing is on the wall, right? If, if you wait too long, though, to begin to prepare yourself to make this change, you, you run the risk of getting left behind. And just to be clear for our listeners, it's not minimizing the importance of profit. It's not saying profit at the cost of everything else. No, of course, exactly, absolutely. In fact, going back to a, a point that we we discussed earlier, these businesses, when they get it right, when you've got your purpose really aligned with the actions that you're taking in the world, your employees and customers can feel that your business actually accelerates. So you are a more successful business as a result of doing this. And back to the numbers, and then we'll go into specifics. But if people are motivated by my contagious sense of purpose and they share that purpose, I assume it's easier to attract people, retain good people, attract clients who will innately trust me and that I am what I say I am and I do what I say I'm going to do. And for partners as well, suppliers, uh, collaborators, subcontractors, they want to work with someone that is as advertised as trustworthy. Exactly. Um, Interface Textiles, which is a big B2B, they make carpet tiles. Um, They're one of the best examples of a store doing business in B2B. When they made the transition from being a traditional carpet tile company to being a purpose-led carpet tile company led by uh, Ray Anderson, who's now deceased, but he wrote a book called Confessions of a Radical Industrialist about that transition. And he had no idea what was going to happen when he made the transition to being a purpose-led business, but his business actually accelerated because his sales team discovered that when they went in to sell versus other carpet tile businesses in the past, they had been only been able to compete on price. A carpet tile was a carpet tile was a carpet tile, but when, when they articulated Interface's goal of being a zero environmental impact textile company, textiles are very polluting, mm. all of a sudden customers wanted to get engaged in that. There was a reason to choose Interface beyond price. And so it gave Interface pricing power and the business actually accelerated as a result. Your point about partnership is exactly right. People want to get on board with companies that are trying to do something great in the world. So let's move into then more specificity. What does it mean to be a story doer? What are the key characteristics that I would move toward if I aspire to do this and I'm not already, or that I would identify as I'm selecting people with whom I want to work? Sure. We've discovered that they have several key differences between story-doing companies and and traditional storytelling companies. Story-doers have a clear purpose. They are on a quest, you know, something that transcends commercial ambition, something that aspires, something with generosity at the core of it. they, They aspire to create some positive change in the world. And that, that quest then becomes a tool that they use both inside and outside their business to take action. So they tend to lavish attention on creating shared ownership of the quest throughout the organization and with their partners. So Tony Shea at Zappos is an interesting example of a company where most of their 
innovation is internal. Their quest is to deliver happiness and to take the friction out of selling shoes online. And he knew that in order to do that, his customer service was going to have to be better than anybody else's. And so there are tons of innovative ways that Zappos approaches customer service. But one, just one example is that two months into a job as a customer service person at Zappos, someone will tap you on the shoulder and ask you to quit your job on the spot and offer you $2,000 to do that. Paying people to quit is a very unusual tactic, but it results in people in customer service who are really passionate about being in customer service. If they won't accept money to leave, you know they like their job. And that story also zings around inside the business and makes sure people understand that Zappos is willing to put its money where its mouth is. These companies also focus on a few transformative actions that bring the story to life, things that are iconic. The Zappos story I just told is another example of an iconic innovation. It's a, it's a culture innovation that everybody wants to talk about. It gets people's attention and, and creates a sense of momentum and belief around the quest. And then the, the real acid test, well, they, they stand for their, their values, both what they're for and what they're against. So many, many story doing companies will have defined an enemy as well as being on a quest. Tesla, for example, has defined a very ambitious enemy. It's not a competitor. You would think it was Ford or GM or Mercedes or maybe the internal combustion engine, but Tesla's enemy is the hydrocarbon economy, what Elon Musk calls the mine and burn economy. And Tesla is on a quest to upend that economy and usher in a entirely new economy of clean, sustainable electric power. So that set of values, both what for and against, are very clear inside story doing companies. Everyone at Tesla knows what the enemy is. And then last point is they, and this is the acid test, they tend to try to fuel external participation align with partners that share their values. So they want to help their customers participate in the quest in meaningful ways. Patagonia is a great example of a company that is a, a truly an activist uh, company, but you know, they've actually, they're probably one of the most overtly politically active companies um, that I'm aware of. I don't know if you saw their most recent, you know, they've done a lot. They've made documentaries about th changes that they want to see in the world. Their latest thing was to sew a label in some of their apparel that's literally, and pardon my French, but this is what the label said. It said, vote the assholes out. That's a <laughs> label inside the garment, right? Permanently attached. That is conviction. When you buy that garment, you know that Patagonia is serious about it right? And if you align with those values and some people won't, and that's fine, that puts a smile on your face. Yeah. I, I can think there's a pizza store that has a vote blank out um, <laughs> right. in, in DC that we went to, and it just made me smile. Yeah. And it creates loyalty, right? You want to go back, right? You want to support people who share your values in the world. Yeah. Without being political. Yes. Yes. Um, right. No. And that goes, mm -hmm. that goes both ways, right? That crosses the political spectrum. Well, and in this case, it didn't have a name, but it was like you're saying, it's it's the ineffective, however you define them. So it, it wasn't overtly offensive either. It allowed the purchaser to make some fill in the blank for that belief. Yeah. On the more conservative side, Chick-fil-A is, uh, is I, I would say, they're, they're a story doer, you know, in the sense that they close on Sundays. 
they have very strong religious beliefs. The founders believe that it's it's not the right thing to ask anybody to work on Sunday, on Sunday, and so they they close their stores. And if you're a Chick Fil A franchise e, right, you have to agree to that as a part of the operating agreement, and that means accepting less money. That is going to hurt mm-hmm. your bottom line short term, but it creates a sense of overt values that are meaningful to both, you know, I'm sure the franchisees as well as employees, as well as customers. Can you help our listeners understand it? it's a personal quest for the person's choosing to become a story doing company. Yeah. What makes a good quest? What's someone going to have to experience as they go through this? They're sort of a quest for an individual person is obviously ultimately up to them. It has to be actually in both cases, in the in the case of a of an individual and of a company, a quest is not something that you make up, right? It's not, it's not something that you you kind of you create. It's something that you pull out of yourself in a way. Mm-hmm. It's it's already there within you if you're an individual and it's already there within the company, right? The job is really one of excavation to kind of pull away all the things that don't matter, right? The, mm-hmm. the, and to really get to the center of what you believe as a person or as a, as a company. And so there's a process that we use to do this. I can give you an example, both just using my business. We put ourselves through our own process and our, our quest is to help the bold truly do. We're looking for bold companies who want to change the world and create actions that, that change the world. And my personal quest is to hasten the reinvention of capitalism, right? That's, wow. And so that, I believe that we're in that era and that's, that's mm-hmm. the wheel that I want to put my shoulder to. And mine is elevating the quality of leadership around the world, that we're at a tipping point on many, many axes and more effective leadership causes a better global outcome on and for everyone involved. That's great. I love that. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Ty Montague, and we are talking about story doers, leaders and organizations with clearly defined higher purposes. And Ty and I have both talked now about our higher purposes. So Ty, in this segment, let's give our listeners more information about what they can do to become a story doer. Great. Yeah. I would say the most important thing, and this will, I hope, resonate with your audience, is to set KPIs around the things that you want to see happen and then hold yourself accountable. So if you, once you have a quest, you want to really think about how you're measuring aspects of your business outside of the traditional business metrics, things like employee engagement, things like employee retention, things like customer loyalty. Every, every company has a different set of these, but making sure that you, know, you are paying attention to, are we doing this story? We have this quest. Are we making it real in the world is incredibly important. And that's true if you're a company and it's true if you're a person, you should decide what you want to measure and then measure it. 
internally, it's it's incredibly important to define the things that you, as culturally, you want to celebrate and the things you want to reward. In many cases, you should think about tying compensation and promotions to tangibly making your story, making your quest real through action and and really giving people a clear pathway to these are the things that we expect you to do as an employee and if you do them right this is this is these are the actions that we want you to take and if you do them you'll you'll benefit from doing that so it's sort of back to this question of fluffiness it's another business truism is what gets measured gets managed and that is that's true you know traditional business metrics, profitability and things like that, but it's also true of your purpose and being purpose-led. You know, one of the things we talk about is aligning leaders' values, leaders' actions, culture, and systems. And it's only when all of those are aligned as kind of the positive flywheel that we can make optimal progress. Otherwise, if you've got one spinning backwards, you derail the good efforts people are making. That's exactly right. And, you know, another another aspect of this and and is that, you know, if you if you begin to make this transition to being purpose led, you will make mistakes, right? Innovation of all kinds is it's messy and often it doesn't work. The key to having it take root in a culture is to find, you know, find some people who are examples of people who tried something that was in the direction of the quest that didn't work and, and celebrate them. Obviously you don't want to create a culture of failure, but what you want to do is you want to create a culture of trying. And as long as, as long as you learn from your mistakes and really extract the value from them, you create a very positive as you said, flywheel, you create very positive cultural momentum. You know, we, we use the words of things like the mind of the scientist, that scientists expect to make mistakes. If you're making big experiments and trying to solve big problems, if we knew how to do that, we would have done it. So it is the work of the scientist to, to gather the data, do the experiments, prove what's correct, and also prove what's incorrect so that we can make the next directionally correct step. And so I I had a researcher client who said, I'm as happy to be wrong as right. And most people have said that's really not true. But in a research space and in innovation, I need to know what won't work. What won't work, exactly, right? That is incredibly valuable. And just making sure that you're balanced about what you celebrate and, and, and not just celebrate the success celebrate people who try things and who illuminate an area that does not work, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's incredibly valuable. And the caveat is do it smartly. You know, good scientists don't blow themselves up and end up dead. Um, <laughs> right? well, hopefully not. Yes. <laughs> that's do, awesome. You do, do deliberate, well-crafted experiments. Yeah. So test, that you... test, and, test and learn. Test and learn. I love the idea of quest the kind of the hero's journey and and that to get there it's a, not an on and off switch that as leaders we need to understand that it is a journey that we identify what we want to take with us on the journey we identify what doesn't go with us on the journey and that we will have good days and bad and failures and missteps and that at the end we end up in a new normal but it's not without 
significant personal effort, especially for those of us who like to be right more often than not. How can other leaders put story doing principles to work internally? You've talked about accountability and systems. Are there other things they need to do? Well, I mean, it's it's also a truism that you it's impossible to over-communicate, right? Okay. Um, lavish attention on helping people understand what you expect them to do with the quest in their area of the business because people often mistake a, a quest for a thing that gets carved in the wall in the lobby and then forgotten about or uh, written down on a piece of paper and and stuck in a desk drawer and now we're going to go back to business as usual and there's a tremendous amount of friction inside organizations to kind of go back to the way we've always done it and so if you're if you're entering a if you're on a journey of of change it's very important to get specific about how the quest that you're on as a business should be implemented by your customer service people, by your product development people, by your sales team, by your marketing team. And so it's it's important to go a click down. Once you've once you've developed the higher order kind of purpose for the business, it's very important to go a click down and develop a series of what we call action principles. What are the we always and we nevers mm-hmm. for each individual group inside the organization so that everybody has a sense of what they need to be doing and how to know whether they're on road or off road, you know, whether they're trying something entirely new or whether they're doing it the way that, that they've been told to do it. You know, we used to call them start, stop, continue guides that we would write up little, it's not that complicated, That's right. It, it's not that complicated as a process, but absent giving people sufficient information, many folks who are incredibly well-intended will do less because they don't know what to do. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. If you don't shine a light on the direction that you want people to go, you know, they'll understandably just revert to doing things that the way they've always done them. So it's a combination of really creating a compelling vision for the overall direction of the organization and then giving people a specific set of, of ways in which they can implement, they can do their job that will help advance that goal toward that higher higher idea. And when you've got those two things working together as a leader, when you've defined both the high road and the kind of detail, the detailed plan to get there, people people light up because people ultimately want to be a part of, of bringing a purpose to life. That's that's a good way to measure uh, whether you're, you've defined a great purpose for your business is, are people excited about it? Like, does it light them up? And, uh, you know, you can, you can feel it when you talk about it with people in a room. Interesting. I assume for some people who are well-intended, but not yet through the journey, they mm-hmm. can talk about the vision and the purpose. But if I were to walk in and do a desk audit and ask people the purpose and what they do in their daily life to help accomplish that purpose, they're not yet there. Yes, I, I think that's right. And, you know, that's, that's uh, a fairly common reason that these things don't take when it doesn't work when you've defined because in our work we 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 will work with we have worked with companies in the past that went, didn't went through the whole process with the leadership team to define a purpose 
and it never really got implemented inside the company. The company really reverted to, and it's because people didn't have a sense of, of you know, people, the, the rest of the people outside of the leadership team didn't have a sense of ownership and participation in it, right? It wasn't clear to them what their, their role was in it. There's a great story of uh, the president making a visit to NASA and... Um, yeah, I know the story. And just you do. For, for the purpose yeah. of time, tell us the punchline. Yeah, the president approaches uh, a man who's sweeping the floor and asks him what he does at NASA. And, and he says, Mr. President, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. And that's the perfect example of people who understand how what they do impacts the outcome we're trying to create. Exactly. That's what you want. And NASA did a great job of it, obviously. So as we wrap up, today's successful companies and leaders have clearly defined a higher purpose that frames their ambition and desired contribution to the world. And they orient each action they take in service of achieving that goal. So we know what our higher purpose is. And every one of us, as the example Ty just gave us, down to the people cleaning the facilities, understand that their contribution helps drive that purpose. So for our listeners, we leave you with the final thought. As a leader, do you and your organization have a clearly defined higher purpose? And do your employees understand that the tactics they engage in that drive the higher purpose and the impact they're making? And do they also have the freedom to step back and say, that thing that we used to do won't accomplish that purpose? So Ty, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Co-Collective and how people will find you? Well, you can reach me anytime uh, by visiting us at cocollective.com. You can email me directly at tmontague at cocollective.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at at tmontague. And your book? True Story, published by the Harvard Business Press, is available on Amazon. And you can also buy a copy by calling 1-800-CEO-READ. Great. Thank you. And I assume that helps our listeners understand more specific tactics if they choose to be a story doing company. A lot more detail around the entire process is inside that book. Yes. Great. I love to leave folks with actions they can take. So hopefully everyone listening to the show, irrespective of your leadership formal or informal role, you heard something from Ty and I that you can put into place and also that may shape how you think about being a purpose-led organization and how it impacts the bottom line of your organization, all of your stakeholders, and impacts their organizations. So this is Maureen Metcalf and Innovating Leaders, Co-Creating the Future. We hope that you heard something of value. I love to hear your feedback. Email me at info at innovateleader.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn as Maureen Metcalf or on Facebook, Innovating Leadership. Love to hear your feedback and please continue to listen on whatever device you have chosen. We are available through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio. And please like us and share our information so others can become more innovative leaders and change the world we're living in.